Welcome to the LeadGP Podcast. We are in our success series, focusing on alumni stories from the University of Pretoria, a leading institution in the African continent with over 100 years of history behind its name. I'm Lennox Wasara, uh, your host and an award-winning radio presenter as well. Uh, today, I'm truly lucky because I get to speak to one of the most resilient people that I know, Dr. Pereke Mamutu, who's also known as Mr. Deadline. And uh, he completed his studies with a doctor of philosophy in law from the University of Pretoria, which is also the best law faculty in Africa and ranked 60th in the world. Presently, he's a postdoctoral fellow with UNESCO Education in Africa, and rightfully so, he's also a researcher at the Center for Child Law at the University of Pretoria. Dr. Mutu grew up in Nigeria and moved to South Africa, where he completed two qualifications simultaneously. That's truly impressive. And working as a security guard and a car washer to fund his studies, his hard work, his resilience, and positive attitude changed his life for good. Dr. Perike Mamutu, it's so good to speak with you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here this morning to at least explain and um, tell my story and my experience so people can learn from it. Yeah, I mean, I, with reading your story, I was like, wow, like, how is this even possible? But here you are, you know, against all odds. Uh, but, you know, you transitioned from obviously being uh, growing up in Nigeria to move to South Africa for your studies. How was that transition for you? Uh, it was quite challenging. Quite challenging um, in terms of a uh, culture, because when you migrate from your country to another country, there's variation in terms of culture, how to relate and all that. So trying to adapt to the way of life and all that was quite challenging. But you know, with resilience and uh, all that, I was able to get over it. Yeah, there's multiple things, cultural challenges that one can experience, but what are some of the ones that come to mind? Is it language or what was it? When I came to University of Pretoria, one of the areas um, I found challenging was the fact that, you know, you just go into the library and you have this computer where you have to search for books and all that, you know. That is not a system we have in Nigeria. You have somebody to assist you if you are looking for books and all that. So adapting to that kind of system was quite challenging. Then also interaction, you know, with people as well, you know. We are very open in Nigeria, you know, that you can, you know, meet somebody on the street and, you know, but in South Africa, yeah, I find it very kind of a little conservative where people keep to themselves, you know. So you have to push hard, you know, to get to, you know, know somebody and all that. So those are some of the issues, um, you know, I find uh, challenging a little bit. Yeah, true. A lot of people, like some of my, some of my Nigerian friends as well, uh, tell me that, you know, they struggle to find their food around, you know, the Hatfield area in Pretoria. Uh, but Sunnyside had some food for them, like, you know, where they could get food. Did you have the same challenge as well? Uh, like, no. When I came, no, I didn't find that uh, challenging because, like you said, Sunnyside has uh, Nigerian food. So once I needed Nigerian food, I just drive there and get it. So it wasn't a challenge for me in that regard. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, taking you back to uh, some of those challenges you experienced around just the system of the university, the library and so forth, um, what do you think allowed you to actually get beyond those challenges? Because studying is one challenge, getting through the academic content and then also now having these, I guess, teething issues of, uh, you know, the softwares and stuff that you need to get uh, used to. Yes, I will say it's um, determination. Once you are determined that, look, you don't want anything to stop you from achieving your goal, you know, you just have to 
push through. Another challenge I had in Nigeria, if you don't know how to type, you know, like your assignment and all that, you can write the assignment on paper, you give it to somebody, type for you. Here, you have to also type your your assignment yourself and all that. That was very challenging. So I have to start counting. If I have an assignment to submit, let's say, two, three weeks, I have to start early. You know, some of the assignments, your assignments has typographic errors and all that. So, but somehow, somehow, like I said, with determination and all that, you just have to push through. And that determination, you know, you know, led me to, you know, where I am today and was able to conquer some of those challenges. Yeah. Another challenge you had was to do two qualifications at the same time. How does that even work? My first degree was in political science, you know, from 2007 to 2010. Then I went to do my honors, you know, at UNESA. So after my honors, I wanted to, law has always been something I wanted to do, you know, so I needed to shift careers. So I did my master's in multidisciplinary human rights. So I came back to University of Pretoria. So after my master's in multidisciplinary human rights, then my PhD too was tilting towards that direction. I knew that, look, I would be disadvantaged if I don't have that legal background. So while I was doing my PhD in Vessel Pretoria, so I went to register for my LLB at UNISA since uh, it was distance learning and all that. So while I was doing my PhD at University of Pretoria, I was also doing my LLB at UNISA. So it was quite challenging, I must tell you. It wasn't a child play, but, you know, here I am. Yeah, <laughs> I was able to scale through. You also had to make it through funding yourself. You had to work uh, washing cars, also worked as a security guard. Um, take us through that. That was another story, <laughs> yes. When I came in 2007, actually I have a sister here. She was uh, like a pillar behind me. You know, she came to do her PhD here. So when I came, I got my admission, I came, our plan was, you know, she had um, a funding from Nigeria to, for her PhD study. So, okay, so when she came, she had funding here from University of Pretoria. So the plan was to use that fund to sponsor my, my first degree. But unfortunately, there was change in government in Nigeria. So the whole uh, funding arrangement was cancelled. So I was like, what do I do? cannot drop out at this moment, you know. So, you know, I have a friend who has a, had a, a car wash. During the day, I go to my, uh, my classes during the day. Then after my classes, around three or four, I go to the car wash. Wasn't, that wasn't too far from the university. So wash till about seven o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. Then I go home, you know, so that was what I did. So what I did was I had to sign an agreement with University of Petra. So the money I was paying, Whatever money I make was paid into my account, you know. So at the end of the day, I agreed that, okay, certain amount of money will be going into my student account, you know. So I did that for the first year. After the first year, I realized that I had not raised enough money to even shake what uh, the school fees, you know. So, and the rule here is that for you to register for the next uh, academic year, you have to, you know, kind of clear your backlog, you know. So, and that was where... My sister came in, and it was, like I said, there are periods in your life whereby you need somebody, you know, to push you, you know, mm-hmm. over the edge, you know. It's a make-or-break, you know, period for me where if not for that intervention, what I've achieved today wouldn't have been possible, you know. So 
So she came, so I think it was about uh, 20,000, so still owing about 20,000 or so. So she intervened and cleared that for me. So immediately that I was able to register for my my second year. So I went back. I was actually in the car wash when somebody came and he was recruiting, uh, looking for security guards, you know, and all that. I said, okay. So I went in and... You know, I was employed. So I started working as security guy. So what I was doing, I attend my program then, or my duty then, was I worked three days, three nights, and three days off, you know. So those three days, if I'm working day shift, I can't go to work. So after, after this, I get uh, my lecture note from my, my colleague. But when I'm doing night shift, I work, um, I attend my lecture, then by 5.30, I leave for work. Then, you know, then sometimes my lecture starts at 7.30. So from work street, I just come, because then I had my bag with my toothpaste, my toothbrush, everything in my bag, you know. I just come straight from uh, work to, to school, attend my first lectures, you know, clean up yeah. in the bathroom, attend my first lecture, then go home, get ready, come back. Then after my lecture again, go back to work, you know, then my best period were my three off days, you know, then I can concentrate on all that. Really, uh, reasonably, the money was better than what I was getting from car wash, you know. So every month, once I think me and UP will sign a contract where every month 2000 was being deducted from account to offset the DC. So that was going on. So I did that for, till I finished my, my, my first degree, you know, even my honors, you know, at, uh, uh, at uh, UNISA, yeah. You know, then after that, um, I bought a car. Yeah. So one of the things that actually really saved me, or should I say fortune, was when I was working as a security guard, my site was diplomats. And I work with, I was uh, providing security for diplomats. Oh, nice. I was working with diplomats, you know. So our security company closed down at some point in time. So at that time, I bought a car already. So what I now did was continue to pay for my school fees. I started providing transport for these diplomats, you know, either their children, taking them to school, uh, or to dropping them at the airport and all that. So that became another source of funding, you know, my studies, even my 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 my, my LLB, you know, and all that, you know. So that was uh, the struggle, you know, in terms of funding uh, my fees. Yeah, quite a lot. I mean, you said a lot of things there. Um, and I was thinking that having to do this for a year plus is a long time. I mean, doing something for like a week, you can yeah, get along with exactly. it quite comfortably. But, you know, after three months to a year, you know, I did it for like easy. two years. So you can imagine combining that with your studies, you know, and all that. So it was, I did it for like two or three years. Yeah. What was it? Was it something you were saying to yourself that kept you going? Like, what was the secret? Yeah, it's something look. Once you set goals for yourself, that look, you are determined to achieve that goal and you don't want anything, any barrier, you know, to prevent you from achieving uh, those goals. You know, you do everything within your power, you know, so that kept me going that look, I cannot fail. Yeah. You know, so that was, this was a drive, inner drive uh, to succeed in life, you know. Yeah, not true. Um, I find that interesting because in the process of you hustling, as you called it, um, that hustle was going, but then as it closed down, the entrepreneurial mindset you had sort of allowed you to keep on uh, going. You saw another opportunity. Um, was this the case for all your life or perhaps it started in that moment? No, it, I would say 
all my life because um, I grew up with uh, my mother who brought me up and she's a business uh, woman, you know. So um, while growing up with her, so I was assisting her with her business and all that, managing her business and all that. So that entrepreneurial spirit has always been with me. So it wasn't just, it didn't just start at that moment. Yeah. And then as you reflect, obviously, in a different environment, you're in South Africa, it's a foreign land and you're having to hustle, as you mentioned. What is perhaps the biggest lesson you picked up in the time about hustling, as you called it? You know, the truth about the matter is that when I, I will say, look, there are, you know, I work with, while I was working, I had uh, other contemporaries, those who were working together as security guards, you know, and very intelligent guys, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and when I come back from this thing, they will see me with my books and all that, you know. At times I try to advise them, look, why, you, this shouldn't be your final destination, you know. You should try and see, at least UNISA is there. You can enroll and see what you can do with your life and all that, you know. But some of the time I realized that it wasn't something they are willing to But You know, like I said, um, looking back, you know, Putting myself with those people, you know, perhaps you realize that, look, your life has transformed significantly. In fact, most of them are still working as security guard today, you know. I've, <laughs> I ran into some of them, you know. So the lesson I learned from that is that, look, when the opportunity, you know, is there, you see, open, you must grab it. You know, you have to grab it. So it's a lesson I learned that, look, life... It's what you make out of it, regardless of uh, the challenges you go through. You must not give up. Always aim higher and, uh, you know, yeah. get there. As you say, aiming high, as I guess as you aim high, your perspective changes as well. Absolutely. And I'm keen to know how your perspective on success also changed. Uh, did it evolve in any way during that time? Because I guess it might have been different when you started off and perhaps now you're a, you're a doctor. Uh, it might be different. Yeah, the issue of success, you know, success, um, when you want to define success, look at success, it depends on the parameters you, you want to use to measure what success is all about. You want to measure it based on financial um, gain, material gain, or your career gain, you know, what measures do you want to use to uh, measure in terms of uh, success? You know, yes, looking back, you know, from where I am coming in terms of uh, academic career and all that, I think to a large extent, I would say, yes, I'm successful. But I'm still, you know, hoping to go beyond this. But at this stage, given where I'm coming from, you know, because like I said a few years back, I never knew I was almost dropping out of school, you know, mm. to get into a point where I have a, a bachelor's degree in political science, honors, master's, and LLB in a PhD, you know. So you could see the light, you know. So I would say reasonably, you know, in terms of academic career, I'm, uh, you know, successful, yeah. but I'm still aiming higher, you know. So it just, like I said, it's relative. What in terms of defining success depends on the parameters you, you set for yourself and what the asset you want to use to uh, gauge uh, success. Yeah. Uh, One of the ways you managed to attain success was to literally run away from all social gatherings Absolutely. to a point that your friends were calling you, uh, uh, the term for you, Mr. Deadline. Uh, tell us a bit about, you know, how focused were you? Were you that focused? Very, very focused. Very. Even now, I'm still very focused, you know, like I said, very focused. And that is, you know, I don't go to parties 
you know, because, uh, like I said, combining, especially when you are working as a security guard and then uh, having to study, so you have very limited time, you know, to do things and all that. So once there, in fact, UP had a, quite a number of uh, activities then. I can't remember, I didn't attend any of those activities. So once I'm invited, and I said, look, I have, I'm always having deadline, even now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the deadlines are still there, you know. <laughs> so it was, you need to be focused, you know. I tell people there's no two ways about it, if not for those sacrifices. It, would, it wouldn't have been. Then, when I was also doing my PhD, you can imagine combining a PhD and LLB together. There was no room for any social activity. So I'm always, I then my reading table, the little time I have, and I'm sleeping, I'm going around my business. So there's yeah. no time for social activity. <laughs> you really have to manage uh, your time properly. So. Yeah, so I guess your friends must change that from Mr. Deadline <laughs> to Dr. Deadline because the deadlines haven't changed. The deadlines haven't changed. I'm still there. <laughs> but I mean, sure, Surely one, you know, listening, one does think, you know, surely there's got to be balance. Did you have some balance though, at least? And perhaps have you seen the value of balance? I know circumstances were a little bit different, different at the time, but mm. I don't know if you have any insight on how you are striking a bit of a balance now. Well, I'm a Christian. The only social, most of the social activities that I have, I go to church. Not do even that, not on a regular basis. Then once in a while, I take, since I'm married, I take my wife out to go out for this. But Party occasionally, yes, if you invite me for a marriage or they say, if I feel like I have the time and it's important for me, I go, but not uh, all social gathering. Yeah. Still, it's not easy, but I still try to, you know, here and there attend some of this, but it's not easy balancing it at all. Yeah, that's true. And uh, perhaps just a thought on how you kept your mental health in check at the time, because it sounds like it was heavily loaded on your mind, your body, and your time? It was very, it was, yes. Um, that is, at times, you know, you want to have mental breakdown, you know, and uh, look, it wasn't easy, but, you know, like I said, the the zeal, the zeal to, to succeed was overwhelming, you know, it, uh, you know, it was so overwhelming that, look, though you have the mental fatigue, and when will this hustling end, when will this yeah. end, you know? Well, somehow, somehow, you just have to, once you, you think you want to have mental breakdown, you just look at the goal that, look, after this, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, so you keep pushing and, you know, so yeah. <laughs> that kept me going. Yeah, know, that's, so. that's interesting. You've shown so much resilience, mm. uh, so much success, and where to next? I started my postdoc, um, you know, with uh, UNESCO uh, Education Law in Africa. Then I also, um, since I have my LLB, I'm also looking at practicing, you know, get uh, registered here. Yeah. So that is another area I'm looking at. So I'm basically right now, since I'm in research and all that, mostly in the academic uh, field right now. So looking at trying to publish and then see if I become a professor someday. So those are the goals at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Now, wonderful. I just want to say thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, hopefully the next time that we do meet, I'll address you as a professor. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And then I also want to use this opportunity to tell every young man, young woman out there that look, shouldn't allow your your moment, your the barriers facing you at the moment, you know, to prevent you from achieving your goal, you know. 
always push the boundaries and you get to where you want to go so get yeah. to so that is my advice to young people and i want to thank your crew thank you for having me giving me the opportunity to tell my story and thank you once again awesome and as you mentioned that i thought about the university of pretoria uh, how did they aid you in becoming successful oh university of pretoria it was immense apart from my first um, degree my masters yes i got um, a bursary you know i wasn't paying for my my fees so that was awesome at least that took away the financial burden then even my master uh, my phd i got some funding especially at your phd level you need a supervisor somebody you know that will push you through guide you give you the appropriate advice and guidance you know and i met uh, professor ann skelton who was there for me you know so by limitation here and there and she guided me through and you know it was uh, so investor pictoria you know it's immense has been immense in terms of propelling me to where i am today so it's it's, it's I'm, i'm i'm grateful to investor pictoria that i can say wonderful so. i wish i could talk to you all day but i can't but all i would say is continued <laughs> success to you yeah thank and, you so uh, much and keep on shining the light that you are yeah thank you so much for having me and i appreciate thanks wonderful thank you for listening to my conversation on the ldp podcast as i'm speaking to dr mutu who's sharing a story about success and truly inspiring that you just got to hang in there don't give up the day will get a little better as is expressed you can find the podcast at up.ac.za/leadup could be spotify or apple podcast we are right there as well this season we're releasing our episodes on the last monday of every single month this podcast is proudly produced by the university of pretoria's alumni relations office and our production team includes samantha castle Elna Schultz and our sound engineers are Louis Cluter Productions. To meet again, do take care and nothing but love and light from our team.